from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, September 9th, 2016, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Hey, for less than 10 bucks a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-proportioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. They know that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S., and you can tell the difference in the uh, quality and the ingredients. I am a customer of Blue Apron, and it's fantastic. How often, do you, how often do you throw down on some free-range chicken from Blue Apron? <laughs> whenever the, the recipe that week, it's a surprise uh, whenever it calls for it. So they keep it, they keep it interesting. Okay, so like some of the meals available in September, uh, eggplant and chickpea tangine with islander pepper, tomato, and couscous. Uh, <laughs> summer udon noodle salad with cherry tomatoes, corn, and summer sweet pepper. Come on now. Mm. And your prep time is, like how long does it actually take you? Like 20 minutes. Okay. It's normal. Because I, I did one of those once, and it was, for me, it took like an hour. It was very specific instructions, so I'm glad to know that there's one that's a little sounds bit quicker out there. Sounds like a recipe. Yeah, Blue Apron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was the recipe's uh, fault that it took you an hour. Totally the recipe's fault. <laughs> yeah. uh, Blue Apron, honestly, is great. Uh, you should check it out. Uh, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash relevant for three free meals. I think you should all do it. Yeah, that's, an, that's, that's a full day's worth of food. <laughs> I mean, or, I mean, I, I usually eat... That's not counting fourth meal for me, but that's I'm kind of an outlier. <laughs> and honestly, honestly, that's probably a lifetime up to now of couscous because I'm not even entirely sure I've ever had any, so... <laughs> And that's what you want to do is cook it for yourself the first time you uh, you uh, have it, yeah. Because you don't know if it, if you did it right or not. You have nothing to go on. Yeah, so it's going to be awesome either way. <laughs> it's like, wow, I've really been missing out with the couscous. This purple Jesse, couscous. Just so you know, couscous is supposed to be really crunchy. Just go with it. <laughs> purple and crunchy. I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Hi, mine's a mash. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. And here with me in our Orlando studio is just our producer, uh, Chandler Strang, Hello. my brother. Uh, Eddie is on vacation this week. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Back after a couple weeks in the Holy Land, Joy Egrich-Reed is joining us from Portland, Oregon. Present. And all the way from Sydney, Australia, where it is the absolute middle of the night, a very tired Adam Smith is sitting in for Eddie. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Adam, you need some really couscous covering to some pick time up. zones. I love it. Yeah, uh, East Coast, West Coast, and down under. Down I don't under, know. whatever that yeah, is. Tomorrow. Hey, Joy, Joy, uh, you've missed a couple weeks of the show because you were traveling. How was your trip uh, to Israel? Oh, it was incredible. I uh, I survived the Dead Sea. I didn't go under. Um, you know, there's a fear that I was going to get in my eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, you know, you've been you there. Use wait, you, wait, you're, going to the, out there. you're going to the Middle East and yeah. your biggest fear was that you get some salt in your eyeballs. 
because it happened it when I went a decade ago and it was very painful. <laughs> I actually was right next to a woman who did get it in her eyes and I had deep sympathy. I helped her, you know, get under those showers and rinse it off like I once did when I was much younger. <laughs> I got a question because um, I've, I've never sure. visited the Dead Sea, but it seems like if if I were to live there and that this was such a frequent you know, problem for tourists. I think I would have a very uh, 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 successful goggle renting business right on the <laughs> banks. Like I would have a booth, like a mall kiosk with a variety of goggles. And, and, and I'd be renting them out to, 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 to you pilgrims. You'd have to have people sign liability forms because you, everybody knows goggles underwater leak. And then no, people not, are going to be trapped not my, you know, water. Yeah, That's not my problem. If you don't know how to put a goggle on, that's not my issue. Yeah, and I don't know what kind of shoddy second-rate goggles you've been wearing, but they certainly <laughs> haven't been Jesse Carey brand goggles. <laughs> that should just be a slogan. Joy, here's the thing. I didn't even go to business school, but I know this. Every every problem is just an opportunity waiting for someone to scoop in with a solution. And if I need to, you know, if something goes south for me, you know, as 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 guy on this podcast, I can always start a new life with a Dead Sea goggle rental guy. You're on it. I think you you're going to make a lot of money. No, it was amazing. Probably the highlight I could talk for hours, but probably the highlight for me is like a lifelong dream has been to interview um, a Holocaust survivor. And our um, our uh, guide, his father was one. And so we ha- he joined us for dinner when we were in, uh, where were we? Sea of Galilee. And he came and met us and I like elbowed my way to sit next to him for dinner and just asked his whole story. And it's Wow. Fascinating. Question, so that was highlight. What was the goggle situation at Sea of Galilee? You know, it's fresh water. We were just free free eyes all the way. No goggles. Well, so sorry, Jesse. You're only going to become a market. I would have some, some very compelling signage that would encourage tourists to wear goggles because you don't know what's in there either. <laughs> no, no, maybe Peter Sandal or something. I would, I would, I've always dreamed of having a jet ski rental business. Like, I think, like, those guys are making money hand over fist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like they buy that thing one time and they're renting it for like 80 bucks an hour for like the, you know, the next 10 years. It's not yeah. like they're. Well, if they've got a decent business model, they buy it one time. It's a, it's a poor business model to discard it after every use. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I'm actually excited to hear this because I feel like every time we ask Cameron, you know, like if you didn't do Relevant Magazine, what would you want to do? And he's like, this is all I want to do. But now we know if yeah. Relevant goes under. I'd go down to the Caribbean and I'd rent rental. stuff to tourists. That's you, exactly you know the best part about having a jet ski or sea rental business is after hours, you have a fleet of sea to literally do whatever you want with. And you and you have lots of money and small bills to go have some fun. I with. think they would lose their luster, don't you? I mean, like if you wrote them that much. Have you ever written one? Of I don't course. think that's possible. Yeah, I think it gets more exciting the more like jankety they are, because at any moment it could just combust. Yeah, we. Uh, I took Cohen uh, jet skiing in the Caribbean this summer. It was a blast. But yeah, I, again, I was reminded about these guys are just like just printing money, basically. Yeah. Well, they always give you the warning too. Like they, they always take all the fun out of it right away. They're like, okay, don't ride them too close to each other because you'd be surprised. People hit each other all the time, even though there's no obstacles out there. I'd be like, listen, I really don't care what you do. I'm making so much money. If you go play chicken, 
If you go play chicken with those jet skis right now, I, you know what? I'm going to actually, it's going to break up my day to watch this go down. So I encourage it. I have plenty, I have plenty of money to upgrade the fleet at any moment. And, but I will say this. If you're going to play chicken in, with two jet skis going high speeds over open water, I do suggest you get some eye protection. May I point you in the direction of my goggle renting business? I've got, uh, I got some good deals for you. The last thing you want to do is catch a jet ski to the eye. Trust me on that. Uh, well, we have a great show in store for you. Uh, coming up later, we have All Sons and Daughters are coming through the studio, and they're performing live a couple songs from their new album, uh, Poets and Saints. And also, Banning Liebscher, the pastor of Jesus Culture, is joining us in studio this week. Uh, it, there's a lot going on in our studio right now. Um, this week is like the annual, it's like the Christian music Lollapalooza in Orlando. <laughs> it's like both Universal Studios and Disney World are doing Christian music nights. And so there's like a hundred bands coming through. So the nine that we like are coming through our studio. Um, that, that still sounds like too high a percentage. <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell you the charity ones, the charity can, invites. Can, can I just say that having been to both the actual Lollapalooza and this Christian musical Lollapalooza, uh, uh, the, that the what, what people consume at those things to enhance their enjoyment is very different. The last time I went to the Christian music one, me and Adam shared a gigantic lollipop. <laughs> It's no, they didn't share. They didn't share it. They both had their own. But you know, it's like that spiral lollipop that Kramer had on the backward Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. It's the Christian music equivalent of ecstasy. <laughs> oh, jeez. They got a sugar high. Tonight, that thing was covered in ants and beard hair. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I felt pretty. I I I don't even know how this is possible because it was just sugar in that, and I had a hangover the next day from the lollipops. So. They, uh, <laughs> they they were on such a sugar high. They were just raving by themselves at the delirious concert. Yeah, I mean they we I was forcibly removed. Uh, uh, yeah, from a Crowder set. So. <laughs> Crowder was trying to do a hoedown and Jesse was raving. It was, yeah, uh, it, it was, was, yeah. I had glow sticks that I smuggled in. They don't allow those. They there, don't allow those. Uh, there. Yeah. 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 Um, and all the sinful colors too. So. <laughs> 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 they got me right out. Yeah. So, uh, so we had to dismantle the studio for the, uh, we have a small podcast studio. And so basically if a band comes, we have to move, move the big podcast desk into yeah. a different part of the room and give the uh, floor to the band. So we're, uh, we're recording over in the corner today. Yep. And, um, if we have technical difficulties, I apologize, but <laughs> we have a lot of bands coming up. So you guys will be able to experience that on the show over the next couple of months. Uh, Adam, uh, how, how's life been? You're a new father. Uh, yeah. Any uh, like how's it going? Like everything good yeah. still? Yeah. I, I wonder last time good. we last time we talked, you you had just. I mean, we straddled the birth, right? We had <laughs> the week before the birth and the week after not, the birth. You were on the not, show, not in a, a literal physical sense. <laughs> no, <laughs> metaphorically. Yeah. yeah let's- <clears throat> Might be that's any a other whole, phrase. That's a whole birthing <laughs> technique. I don't even know if you guys knew about that. <laughs> it's very graphic and very ineffective. Jesse is a qualified. Jesse is a qualified doula. <laughs> <laughs> the birth straddler. I, I would say I wouldn't say qualified. I'd say unlicensed, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> and he, he brings that's a, a that's lot of another, goggles to the situation. Another, uh, venue for your goggle rentals, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what well, my Craigslist ad for goggle rentals has. You know. 
planning your trip to the Dead Sea, looking for an unlicensed doula, you're going to need these goggles. (laughs) (laughs) My image is two jet skis going at each other full speed. (laughs) But it's been a couple months. How's uh, fatherhood? Uh, yeah, it's like two jet skis going at each other full speed. <laughs> no, it's it's really good. Yeah, everything's really good. Uh, she's uh, she's we hypothesize that she's a super baby. Oh, um, why is this? Oh, well, she seems to be uh, you know ahead of schedule in her her various developmental things. You know, she moves things, things with her thoughts. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> She spends a lot of time in the upside down. Uh, <laughs> I just finished that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? What'd you think? Oh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I'm concerned that maybe the second season, you know, I feel like second seasons always fall off. I feel like they could have just wrapped it up, but I was also kind of excited. Yeah. I, I, I don't, yeah. You don't like scary stuff. I don't, but I mean, I, I just, I'm with you on the second season thing. I just don't like, I, I think the hype will be too big and it just won't satisfy. Tr- yeah. Yeah. But yeah. True Detective was so good. <laughs> yeah. If we learned anything, yeah, True Detective yeah. showed that you should definitely keep it going. Yeah. yeah, and I heard that I heard they're recasting uh, the second season of Stranger Things. It's Vince Vaughn in every role, so I can't <laughs> that. It's supposed to be a career reinvention. Yeah. Uh, um, well, okay. I thought there'd be a little bit more uh, new father stuff other than your child is moving things with their mind, but okay. Well, I mean, that's pretty big, that's right? <laughs> yeah. Can, can I say, I don't mean to bring a personal anecdote, but Please. Cameron, I have to say you were right about something. What? I, add a, 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 a Aaron, our managing editor, has had recently undergone this diet craze, yes. right? Mm-hmm. It's called the Whole Thirty. Maybe Whole 30. maybe you've read about it on various blogs and things. Yeah, and he was like, "Dude, you should definitely do this. Change post. the way you think. Change the way you sleep. You know, change the way you, you do everything." And like, I'm already I'm already performing at a you know superhuman level most of the day. Right. So I thought this could really pull me over the edge. Cameron said it's going to change your mood. It's not going to be pleasant. I am about two hours into this thing, and it is hell <laughs> right now. <laughs> It started. It started about two hours ago uh, after my first cheat meal, and I am in hell right now. The, the thing Wait, is, you're my body's revolting. It. You can't yeah. jump straight into the whole thirty. You have to ramp it up with the half thirty or the fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesse. Jesse go incrementally. Jesse was uh, lamenting the fact that his his uh, eating habits have devolved to the point that he's you know non preheating apple tarts at midnight <laughs> by the trayful from, from, uh, from the Omaha State Company. Yeah, correct, and uh, and that he needed to make a life change. He looked at himself hard and long in the mirror, and he said, "I got to do something about." this and then Aaron of course whose whose wife suggested that they do it together um, the uh, whole 30 was like what three weeks in or two yeah two, I don't know but, but the, the, the guy I mean you you guys know Aaron uh, 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 he, he's you know he's even keel. So yeah. you don't know. He could be tormented uh, physically. Yeah. And he's just his demeanor. He's just not going to show you. Right. See, I wear my emotions and my physical well-being <laughs> on my sleeve. Right now, I am being tortured from the inside out by unsalted almonds. It is it is hell, guys. I think you owe yourself an, a tray of Omaha steak apple tarts. You burned it. Yeah, that's my reward at the end of this. 
had a good day today. I'm going to have a tray of tarts. Yeah, I, I predicted, like, I get it. I get that he's going shock and awe. Put your mind to it. He's got to, you know, do it. And I, I just thought, man, that first week while his well, Jesse's coming off of his normal eating habits, I do not want to be around him. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How, you know, Jesse, insulin levels, metabolism, they, they are, they literally don't know what to do right now. <laughs> so it's, it's a very concerning situation. I'm not entirely familiar with the program. How much Guy Fieri food are you allowed? <laughs> uh, well, uh, every Sunday is all Guy Fieri day, uh, just like it is at my house on TV. So uh, yeah. that's the good and news. It's my cheat day. And that's, it's not a cheat day. It's actually mandated by the program. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you are required every Sunday uh, that, that you know about 75% of what you consume is completely soaked in donkey sauce every Sunday. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> I mean, you can't detox unless you tox first. So you detox for six days and then tox with the Guy Fieri day. And detox. Got, exactly. It's like when you wax a car, you know, board. like you got to rub the wax on before you go clean it off. <laughs> like that's basically what I'm doing with donkey sauce and my gastrointestinal system. Right now. Like I have to have something in there to like scrub off right. at the end. Or else what's the point? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just polishing something that's already, you know, shiny. Yeah. What's Makes the no point? sense. I think that's dieting 101, man. I know. I mean, I, again, a lot of people don't know that along with being an unlicensed doula, I'm an unlicensed nutritionist, <laughs> uh, which has both got me into regless hot water. But, uh, you know, um, but it is oddly, what it is. So. Oddly, your, the, your nutrition recommendations also require and feed the business of your, go your uh, goggle rentals. So, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of upset stomachs in the old, <laughs> and I would highly recommend wearing goggles on Guy Fieri Day because you never know when <laughs> disaster yeah. is going to strike. When, you, when you're eating the amount of Guy Fieri food that, that Jesse is consuming, you're, you're going to need some goggles. <laughs> and he, he only eats with his hands, so it does get a little messy. You don't want donkey sauce in your eyes if I've learned anything. <laughs> It's worse than oh, the Dead Sea. I mean, I, I, yeah, I knew a guy that lost an eye like that. <laughs> <laughs> guy uh, Fieri has two glass eyes. A lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, his other senses are so heightened just from being Guy Fieri. Yeah, he doesn't even need. He doesn't even need eyes. I uh, I thought his, he, his sense of taste and smell. Like he's like a he's like a you know you know savant. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need. He he makes the world with just that. I uh, I thought of you the other day because I saw on uh, the local news they're they're remodeling the Planet Hollywood and relaunching it as a new Planet Hollywood concept. And as part of the relaunch, they're partnering the menu. Uh, the menu they're partnering with Guy Fieri. Oh, He's wow. going to be like the executive chef of the all new Planet Hollywood. So next time you're down, we got to go uh, on a Sunday. We'll go and partake in the Guy Fieri sauce. It's a, yeah, it's an interesting choice that Planet Hollywood would, would choose Guy Fieri. I yeah. feel like that would be like a TJ Fridays you know, or something. Planet Deep South. Yeah, I, Planet Deep South. That's I think it's called Cracker Barrel. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, move the show along. It's time for our weekly look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for in case you missed it. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, the Mythbusters gang is coming back with a new Netflix show. Uh, it's not it's not Adam and Jamie though. It's the Build Team uh, from the long running series Mythbusters, which recently aired its final season. The show on Netflix will be called The White Rabbit Project, and it's going to star Carrie Byron, 
Tori uh, Belechi and Grant Imihara, who were not featured in the final season of Mythbusters and will be produced by the same team behind the former Discovery Channel hit. The premise sounds uh, actually pr- pretty similar to Mythbusters, except without all the bickering between Jamie and Adam. Um, so in the White Rabbit Project, the three um, the three head... Sorry. In the White Rabbit Project, the three head down the rabbit hole to investigate weird and wonderful events from pop culture, science, and history, including topics as diverse as jailbreaks, superpower technology, heists, and crazy World War II weapons. The show will be available December 9th. Uh, Adam Savage and Jamie uh, Heineman uh, famously said they would no longer work together after 14 years of hosting Mythbusters. I don't know if you remember, um, Heineman told EW last year, quote, we like to point out that we've known each other for 25 years and never once sat down to have dinner alone together. We sort of managed to tolerate each other. I think it's probably safe to say that continuing our on-screen relationship in front of the camera is probably not happening. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's cold up, but I, I, I'm stoked about this new show. I'll be honest; the build team was my favorite part of the real MythBusters. Yeah, they oh, seemed absolutely. like they were having way more fun than Adam and Jamie. Yeah. Well, now that we know that there was just barely subdued loathing between them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just couldn't take. I just couldn't take that non-ironic fedora he wore. Right. <laughs> like that wore that wore thin. Wait, the, the eight beret? seasons in. You mean the beret? No, no, yeah, no, the beret. Adam. The beret. Well, well, Jamie wore the beret, but Adam always wore the non-ironic fedora. There was yeah. a fedora involved? I just remember the beret. I guess I've never actually watched it. You wore a fedora quite a bit. Oh, yeah. there you go. Who do they think they are? Whenever I see anyone <laughs> with either of those hats in real life, a beret or a fedora, my immediate thought is, who do they think they are? <laughs> Generally, when I see someone with a fedora, I think, when's your men's right to activism meeting? <laughs> uh, in case you missed it, uh, Pamela Anderson now says porn is a, quote, public hazard of unprecedented seriousness. The actress and model famous for pos- posing in Playboy, uh, she was on the cover more than a dozen times, is now speaking out about the dangers of, of porn. Uh, Anderson and Rabbi Shmuley Botich have published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal referencing the multiple sexting scandals involving former Congressman Anthony Weiner, the most recent, which led to his wife uh, leaving him. Uh, They wrote, If anyone still doubted the devastation that porn addiction wreaks on those closest to the addict, behold the now shattered marriage of Mr. Weiner and Huma Abedi. The duo said, quote, "Uh, We have often warned about pornography's corrosive effects on a man's soul and on his ability to function as husband and, by extension, as father, calling porn, quote, a public hazard of unprecedented seriousness. In their piece, they cited studies that show how the cultural experiment and mass debasement, that's a quote, has led millions to regularly consume porn and how many have attempted to stop but can't. They wrote, quote, how many families will suffer? How many marriages will implode? Anderson and Shmuley wrote that people need to be educated about the dangers of porn and that its easy access is a legitimate threat to society. It's crazy. That, that's a, a Pamela Anderson speaking out of, about the dangers of porn is not a headline that you'd expect to read. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that, I mean, in the article, do they talk to me because she said soul, but it is this fascinating thing that happens to the brain, the rewiring of the brain. So do they talk about that? They did. They talked about the addictive nature of it and how uh, basically like consumption habits continue to grow, but there's a there is a percentage of people who become so like dependent on it for a variety of 
physiological yeah. and psychological issues that they just are never able to quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, in case you missed it, St. Paul and the Broken Bones performed their new song, All I Ever Wondered, on Colbert this week and killed it. The song is from their new album, Sea of Noise. The soulful six-piece brought out a trio of background singers for an energetic Motown-inspired performance of their single, which features spiritual undertones. I mean, some of the lyrics are velvet fist in the gut while everyone is slinging mud. Jesus found his politics, but nobody listens. And interesting thoughts about conflicted morality. Uh, like, I can't tell what side I'm on. I can't tell what's right or wrong. We can't ever just sing one song. Here is a clip of the performance. Their new album, Sea of Noise, drops this week. Check it out. We like them a lot. Uh, they, they're it, one of those bands that I feel like is true. Their time, their, their sound is truly timeless. Like they don't sound like they're trying to be a Motown band. They don't try sound like they're trying to be a soul band. They just sound like they really are passionate about a make about making a certain kind of music and are really good at it. Yeah, mm. uh, the lead singer. Uh, we did a feature on them with their last album uh, in the magazine, and he's a he was a former worship leader. So that's mm. kind of where the, a lot of the soul comes from. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. Uh, in case you missed it, Bill Nye's new show will take on, quote, religious leaders. Uh, it's going to be called Bill Nye Saves the World. And according to Variety, the science show won't shy away from controversy. Here's what they said. Each episode of the series will tackle a topic from a scientific point of view, dispelling myths and refuting... It sounds like Mythbusters. And refuting <laughs> anti-scientific claims that may be espoused by politicians, religious leaders, or titans of industry. Uh, Bill Nye famously debated the founder of the Creation Museum, Ken Ham, denouncing his views of young earth creationism which interprets Genesis to say that God created the earth a few thousand years ago in a literal six days. Um, Bill Nye has also spoken out publicly about teaching creationism to children. He really has a grudge. Uh, back in 2012, he posted a YouTube video in which he said, quote, I say to all the grownups, if you want to deny evolution and live in your world that's completely inconsistent with the world we observe, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it because we need them. We need scientifically literate voters and taxpayers for the future. We need engineers that can build stuff and solve problems. He, uh, mm. he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. You, you know what I would rather see than this Bill Nye current show is just do the Mythbusters things and get two frenemies on there. Get him and Ken Ham on the show hosting together. <laughs> <It'd be> like, <laughs> I want to see the palpable tension every week. Give, give, give them both fedoras and just let them, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> see that while the other one is talking. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I honestly would watch that. Not to say that I have to agree with necessarily either of them on every issue, but I would think it would be super entertaining, entertaining especially television. if you're letting them walk around a lab with explosives. <laughs> Here's a fashion, fashion question though, Jesse. Bill Nye, he's famous for wearing a bow tie. So bow tie and fedora, is that too much? Oh, I mean, at, at that point... You have to wear the, a seersucker suit to pull that off. Yeah, <laughs> at, at that point, you're either all in. <laughs> yeah. you know, or, 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 or like, you're, you're the, the, the more, you know, less likable one in the group at that point. If you're the one wearing a bow tie and a fedora, just forget about it. 
You're yeah, not see, I feel fans. like your suggestion for this show is just a self-serving way for you to move more goggles. They're <laughs> <laughs> all in. Here's the goggles. <laughs> Jesse's like, actually, guys, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm sitting on a massive inventory of goggles that I have to liquidate. <laughs> I, I have made a gross business calculation about the demand for goggles at the Dead Sea, and I'm sitting on an inventory of about a half million. So... <laughs> I can sell, even if it's to Ken Ham and Bill Nye, is a pair off my books right now. He's trying to work it into this podcast at every possible point because he sunk all his money into the goggle market, <laughs> and he's uh, he's in some serious trouble, guys. It I, turns out uh, it's not as easy as you think to import goggles into Israel. So, uh. oh man, oh, man. I that, I would I would watch that show. I like it. It's almost like that. Uh, what was that old Fox News show where they had the Democrat and the Republican up there and they would just bicker the whole night? Oh yeah, I forget. Yeah, I think it, that's it's Hannity and Combs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it changed. It changed after Combs moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was just Hannity no, just at that Hannity. point. Yeah, I, I like I like the bicker. I like the tension. Right. Oh, it yeah. stresses me out. I cannot handle news shows where they're just yelling. Yeah, no, but, I can't. But but, uh, but even if, especially if it's not politics, if it's science and dinosaurs and arcs and cool stuff like that, I'm I'm absolutely watching. This is a T Rex. <laughs> the intro would you have like, like this. That's what you like? Have like a perfect strangers type of dynamic where they have like they show clips of them like getting into like hijinks and like <laughs> pranking each other, you know. And it and it ends with them arms crossed, back to back, winking. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like Ken Ham is setting up this big model volcano. Kano when he turns his back, like Bill Nye, like looks at the camera weeks and pours and pours like baking and, vine- and vinegar in there and then turns his back to it real quick. Only for Ken Ham to turn around and it's exploding everywhere. But guess who's not wearing goggles? <laughs> I tell you. Guess, guess what, guys? The price just went up. <laughs> Actually, that's it. That, the scientific community, they have to wear goggles to do, to do experiments. That's what you need to hone in on. Into. Yeah. Yeah, we need more. Ex- what I need is more experiments in schools that involve uh, things possibly flying into your eye because there's a lot of students out there, you know. <laughs> I, well, I've already set up a van with goggles outside of several schools around here. And uh, I've been removed from campus, but why is there a van parked in front of the school with a logo of two jet skis <laughs> at each other? And he's trying to sell goggles to kids getting off the bus. Is he allowed to be here? In case you missed it, singer, singer Kina Granis teamed with YouTube artist Kurt Hugo Schneider to create a cover of uh, Sia's hit uh, song, Cheap Thrills, using only a bike, drumsticks, and Granis's voice as the instruments. It's pretty incredible. Here's a clip. No, I Just the fact that they came up with the idea is cool. But when you listen to it, you're like, dude, that's insane that all that noise is coming out of a 10-speed bicycle. Okay, well, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices.
Real quick, before we go, I'll just say, if you're trying to recreate this video on your own and you're doing any experiments with bicycle and drumsticks, I highly suggest goggles because catch one of those bad boys to the eye. and uh, Safety first. You're going to end up like old guy. Are they safety goggles or swimming goggles? Oh. <laughs> well, <both>. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I placed a huge order for a variety of goggles. I was just clicking around <laughs> on the wholesale goggle website. Get the It's shockingly difficult to navigate. And I've ended up with some that I don't even know what they're for. What, what Jesse doesn't want you to know is that they're actually all just those goggles you wear in suntanning beds. They're absolutely <laughs> for safety. <laughs> that's why his uh, dead sea uh rental business died off because yeah, they're, they're like you're sure this, these are going to protect me from the salt oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah <laughs> when, when, people when screaming they, in they unison in the dead sea. From, yeah when they surface screaming jesse's goggle truck has disappeared <laughs> adam you'll know this reference my eyes the goggles do nothing <laughs> <laughs> the Kate and the Simpsons. Got, but a good episode. Oh, all right. Stay tuned up next. Slices. You're listening to The Growlers, the song of City Club. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Coast Modern with uh, The Way It Was. Uh, you know, the, the hook went, uh, we can't ever go back to The Way It Was, which I chose because Adam was going to be on the show today. And I just uh-huh. thought it would be apropos. Um, uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so uh, there was a, an interesting study recently from uh, a, a, a writer and author who studies uh, motivation and he studies uh, uh, productivity in the economy. Uh, he's writing a book uh, called uh, uh, The Hidden Logic That Shapes Our Motivation. Uh, the, the, the main title is Payoff. But he wanted to see, like, what's the best way to motivate people to work harder than they already do? Uh, so he he came up with an experiment to, to, to see because a lot of times he felt like it's probably counterintuitive, like how people, uh, or why people want to actually work harder. So he went to a factory and uh, performed this experiment with like thousands of different people at different times. And it was a semiconductor factory. And he wanted to so you have like a measurable result of which one would uh, uh, indicate the, the most, uh, the highest increase in productivity. So he told the bosses there to do uh, three different things. One, in one control group to compliment uh, people, in the other control group to offer them, uh, uh, you know, a, like a monetary, like like a it was it was a small amount, but it's like thirty dollar bonus at the end of the day if they hit some goal. The other one was just to give them pizza. Mm. Okay, <laughs> guess which one was far and away the greatest human motivator? The compliment. Pizza. It was pizza. Yeah, of course it was pizza. Yeah, of course it was pizza. Yeah. Um, 
In, in fact, the pizza was so effective in that semiconductor factory that that team started manufacturing full conductors. <laughs> you can't play your own little song hit at the end of a, a punchline. I, I mean, to me, it shows we're on our way, I feel like, to a pizza-based economy. Like, I feel like pizzas should essentially be, be the same thing as, as currency in some situations, pizza bartering. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible model to get people motivated, but just the fact that, you know, science has confirmed that pizza makes you work harder. Maybe it's just that I'm on the Whole30 right yeah, now. Yeah, I think you I'm just... A couple hours in the Whole30, and I feel productivity... <laughs> plummeting right now that's been fueled on pizza uh, uh, for the last few years of my life uh, so I, I actually have a two for today so one is to motivate people with pizza uh, uh, another one is is more terrifying like the pizza one gives me hope about our future that we're figuring out ways just to make society better uh, by just pumping people full of pizza uh, but the second one is concerning uh, are you guys familiar with the company uh, Roomba that makes, that, that makes the, the, the robotic vacuums yeah of course yeah yeah. Okay, so it's owned by uh, uh, the, the, the parent company is called iRobot. And the CEO of iRobot, the company that makes Roomba vacuum cleaners, he, the CEO was on vacation in the Bahamas, and he, they ran across uh, this fish called the lionfish, which is this really cool-looking exotic fish that people would buy as pets but then when they didn't want them anymore, just let them go back into the wild, much like I did with my pet chimpanzee, Pickles. Um, <laughs> he got a little, he got a little uh, rambunctious for me. So I just opened the door one day and shoot him out. So Yeah, thanks, thanks for that, because he's been living with me for the last 10 years. <laughs> Pickles? So anyway, these lionfish have taken over parts of the Bahamas and are really destroying uh, 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 some of the natural environment yeah. there and these really delicate reefs and ecosystems. What the CEO of iRobot has done has started a new initiative called <laughs> here, this is the actual title of his new initiative, Robots in Service of the Environment. It's the acronym is RISE. Oh my goodness. It's actually <laughs> called RISE, as in rise up and rise and overtake humanity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's how we, we, we welcome them in. We give them additional powers because they're going to help us. They're going to do good for the environment. But what's happened is they get smarter. And then they yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's only a matter before they, it, it, the, the time before they become self-aware. So what, not only did he is he going to dispense robots to take care of this lionfish uh, problem, he has he has he's dispensing two different kites. This is actually true. Okay, two different kinds of robots to hunt down these lionfish that are destroying these aquatic environments. One kind will be armed with electricity that will go and electrocute the lionfish. How is this possible? How, who's letting this happen? Yeah, well, that's the thing. For something like this, does he even need permission? Well, like, I, who's yeah. in charge of the lionfish? Like, if the he's in international one. waters? Yeah, yeah, saying? exactly. It's lawless out there. Yeah. You can do literally do... I think what, there's kind of maritime law still. 
Yeah. I think that there's still like territorial. This is under the surface, so I don't think that's covered. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> From my understanding, anything you do under the water is it's legally no man's land. All right. Like you can't be persecuted for I a crime that you commit you. underwater. Well, yeah. I mean, that again, why he messes so heavily in goggles is because the future is going to be under the surface of the ocean. <laughs> the, the lawless future under the surface of the ocean. The wild west. Yeah. In my Mad Max future, if you're without goggles, you can't see an attack coming. <laughs> <laughs> six inches away. I mean, you can, but it's very blurry. You can't really make out. <laughs> Listen, in, in this apocalyptic underwater uh, hellscape, yeah. you're going to need to be able to have good visibility. Yeah, that's, that's true. To that's, see to see the electric robots coming. What you're saying is that this guy has actually created Terminators. Yeah, yeah they're, underwater, they're underwater terminator. terminator. So one will electrocute the the lionfish. The other one, this is true, is armed with spear guns. It's oh a robot goodness. that will swim underwater, identify <laughs> the lionfish, and spear gun them. Wow. So it'll have like a Terminator eye, and it'll assess the bio object in front of it, and if it says, you know, confirmed lionfish, it will shoot it with a spear gun. Either Yeah, either that or electrocute it. If that Terminator eye is ungoggled, yeah. then a, a, a diver looks a lot like a lionfish. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I actually read, Adam, it's funny you say that. that is, that's his plan, is that if these get out of control and start taking over humanity, all you got to do is take their goggles away. They keep, their visibility goes away instantly. <laughs> Once again, I hold all the cards. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I'm way more frightened of a uh, an underwater fish Terminator with Poor vision. <laughs> so, Adam, what you're saying is you think it's more likely that these rise robots won't rise against humanity. They're they're them overtaking humanity people on accident because we've degoggled them. They can't even see what they're shooting. Yeah, they're just firing blindly. Once again, it's like this this robot uprising is still pretty localized because unless you're actually in the water you're pretty safe <laughs> right right that's true how do you avoid the robot uprising just don't go in the dead sea you're fine yeah yeah, yeah. it's like every shark movie ever made right <laughs> yeah solution to the problem get out of the water you're good that, yeah. that's uh, terrifying uh what do you have joy um, well, I was really excited about this article because I thought Eddie was going to be on today and we'd spend the whole time talking about our gardens. Um, but <laughs> have any of you guys grown anything at all? I mean, intentionally? I've grown Le- legally, legally. I mean, like food? <laughs> no, but I mean, I landscaping. I take care of my yard. I worked in the yard yesterday. Herbs for cooking. Oh, yeah. look at you. Yeah. And yeah. How, were you successful? Do you inside or outside? Outside. In Florida, I was I only successful outside, with rosemary. All the other ones died. Rosemary, mm. he said with air quotes. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> Jesse, have you ever kept anything alive? <laughs> I've ordered several Venus flytraps online, uh, but uh, I'm not sure how shady these websites because they never came and my identity was stolen. So, uh, <laughs> and, and he's he's got bags and bags of uneaten flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what website was legit: the fly website. So. Surprisingly. Well, okay. So when we got back, we've been gone a lot the past month and we had a house sitter and she was taking care of basically my children, which is the garden. And we had, I had these tomatoes that I really wanted to grow and they take a long time to grow. They take, tomatoes take 75 days generally, like give or take a little bit to grow. And so I was so excited. I had these tomatoes. I felt like they were in the wrong spot. So I moved them and I replanted them. And I, I think basically what I did is I did 
I loved them too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I came home from Israel and she was like, I hate to tell you, but tomato season is over and yours did not produce. <laughs> like there was like a few here and there, but they were not pretty. And it just a lot of love and they just went down the drain. But anyways. Well, real quick, this is exactly why I could never get into gardening because someone was like, if you want a tomato on any given day, I'd be like, I don't know, maybe. But if someone's like, are you going to want a tomato in 75 days? <laughs> there is yeah. literally no way of yeah. telling and what I, kind of mood I'm going to be in. I'm not going to well, that effort. You're just like all the other Americans. So that's what this article is about, is basically saying we really need to, like it, when you consume, like one of the things that I was blown away, like we were successful with butter lettuce, you know, um, that really like feathery, feathery, that's not the right word, but butter lettuce, they're like the, the heads that grow right down on the ground. And you just would take leaves off the outside and they would keep producing. And when you go to the grocery store, you don't even think about it and you buy a head and just, and then it's done. But if you had left it in the ground, it could keep producing for like, we had it for like a few months. But anyway, so what they're, this article is talking about is that Americans don't think about that. They don't think about this tomato that goes bad, you know, that only costs them a dollar and they throw it away. And basically, they're just highlighting that 40% of the, the produce and the food that we grow in America, Americans throw away. Oh, wow. And, um, and so for like one tomato, it takes 75 days and 3.3 gallons of water to grow that one tomato. And so it's just really challenging people to like be aware of how long, like it takes 90 days to, to grow garlic. Um, and, and really like in America, we have our expiration dates, you know, we have things like that. And that's like, we just throw too much stuff away and then it goes into the landfills, which rots and that actually creates planet warming gases. Um, John Oliver actually did a really incredible uh, segment on how much stuff we throw away. I, encourage people to check it out. I was just going to say, you really are playing the long game, though, with gardening, aren't you? It's like, I'm, I'm going to pencil in a salad three months from now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, hey, not not to be a shill, but I, that's actually why I like Blue Apron, because like like the fresh ingredients come prepackaged, and you don't have any waste. Seriously. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. like, no. that's what I like about it, because I hate yeah, cooking for one. I hate going to the grocery store and buying, like, you know, I, I need half a cucumber, not a whole yeah. cucumber. You know? Usually, I'll buy a, a, a whole package of, of tomatoes take a bite of one decide that i'm no longer in the mood and just throw the rest including the cellophane right in the storm drain <laughs> what i do i take a bite of one and then i'm like this isn't a hot dog <laughs> no but but adam you're right like seriously if some if you sit down today and ate a salad that had kale and cucumber and beet and bell pepper in it you're looking at a year's worth of cultivation. Wow. And so wow. I just think if people can shift that mentality and Jesse, like you just throwing everything away, it's not necessarily bad if you want to throw something away, but compost it instead of just putting it in the landfill. Cause you are then contributing to global warming. <laughs> Again, composting is a tremendous amount of work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I do think that is, we do throw away and yeah, like half the nation's food supply is thrown yeah. in, in the landfill. So yeah, obviously there's a problem. Yeah. Well, and, and also I think people need to get over the fact of like food just looking a little weird. I think, I think Jesse, you and I talked about this article a while ago, like so much food gets thrown out of our grocery store. Like our grocery store won't even accept ugly looking produce because people won't buy ugly, like if it's just deformed or whatever. 
And so that all gets thrown away before it even gets to the grocery store. And then we throw away stuff when it doesn't look good. So like my one of my tomatoes that actually did quasi grow, like it had some little animal had eaten part of it. But yesterday I was like pushed through and I just like cut that part off and then I chopped up the rest and like sauteed it. I mean, sautéing stuff covers a multitude of diseases that you might be getting. <laughs> oh, wow. Are, are we sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. Growing it in my garden, I know it doesn't have like like pesticides like that would be in the grocery store. So there's pros and cons. I mean, you can you might not have like the prettiest produce, but if you try to grow it and it has a few bugs on it, it's probably better for you than the pesticides you're getting in the grocery store. Have you heard about the ugly food movement that they're trying to do for like um, food banks and schools and stuff like that? Stuff that's like deemed like not pretty, so it's not sellable in the grocery yeah. store, yeah, but that's it's what, perfectly Yeah, that's fine. what I was right. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what they were doing with it. I just knew that grocery stores weren't taking ugly produce, yeah. so, so the, that's good to hear. Uh, they have been throwing it out, but there is a movement, and I, I just heard it on our local radio, like there's a a significant amount of money or food that goes to like food banks and stuff that would be like ugly produce, but it's health is just fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nutrient. We've, we've actually got a great charity here in Australia called Oz harvest that they take, um, ugly produce from supermarkets and they take, uh, food that restaurants are going to throw out and they have, uh, you know, highly trained chefs who turn it into really, really, high quality meals for homeless shelters. Wow. Oh, wow. That's great. I, I, I you know, I, I do personally avoid ugly food. Sometimes I'm like in the produce section, I'm like, ew, gross. That looks like produce. Ugly. And he picks it up and throws it across. <laughs> this, this and then he sets like up, he's, he's, he's sitting there throwing ugly tomatoes all over the produce section. And then he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to offer you an opportunity to rent some goggles from me if you don't want to get tomatoes juicing in your eye. Good old fashioned tomato fight. These are ugly. They look like tomatoes. <laughs> You're just going around causing problems to sell his goggles, you know. Yeah. All right. What do you have, Adam? Okay. Uh, Chandler, let me ask you, and, and Joy, you mm-hmm. guys still playing Pokemon Go? Oh, you yeah. You still playing the Pokemon? I sure mm-hmm. am. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I haven't Fizzled out a little bit. But... Are, you, are you like a, at the wizard level now or something? You're like at the I'm end. At, no, I'm, no, no, no. The, the, Is there the, an end? No, yeah, 40. That's the highest you can go. At least right um. now. Um, I, the, I, uh, the, the more you progress, the, the harder it, it is to progress. So I'm... As, Still, as it is in life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I caught a Pikachu three weeks ago and I haven't opened the app since because I was just like, well, mission yeah, accomplished. That's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, I understand that's, that. That's what I was after, so yeah. there we go. Don't need you. <laughs> the uh, end. But, but look, some people are still playing it and uh, some, some uh, people in New Zealand who are playing it actually uh, managed to uh, catch more than a Pokemon they uh, caught a thief who was trying to break into a car. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's a, a group of young folks uh, heading out to, to catch the titular Pokemon uh, in uh, the, the North Island town of Napier. They uh, heard a car alarm. They saw a masked man run past, and they just ran and, I guess, tackled him and uh, held him until police arrived. Wow. Uh, I, would, so, so I would think that people the, are still wearing masks. <laughs> <laughs> and he had on a black and white hamburger like shirt as well. Yeah. yeah. And he had like a big bag over his shoulder of all the stuff that he's stolen. <laughs> and it had With like dollar, big sign, big dollar, dollar sign, dollar sign on it. Yeah. 
Yeah. There, there was actually an asterisk in the in the article next to mask, and then down below it said, "Actually, a pair of goggles." <laughs> the most shocking part of this story, Adam, to me is that the sort of people who are out there playing Pokemon could tackle, could run and tackle somebody. That's amazing. It's because yeah, they're walking so me. much. I'm surprised they weren't don't, just don't like stereotype the Pokemon players. Getting so much exercise from the uh, chasing down the Pokemon. Pretty much. Did, did you hear the story about what happened to the blogger in in Russia playing Pokemon Go? No. There was a, a blogger in in Russia who uh, evidently he's known for posting some anti some some blogs with his anti religious feelings. But anyway, he was playing Pokemon Go and he filmed himself playing at a large historic church in the building. And he was arrested and he's been charged with making a mockery of religious beliefs. And he's actually could face prison time uh, uh, for playing Pokemon Go in a church. Mm. Wow. So some parts of the world, they take this serious. I mean, they're catching criminals and some, some it's breaking the law. Wow. I'm just surprised it's persisted for this long. I saw on the local news last week that a guy was arrested for trying to lure children into his van uh, at a Pokestop. A bunch of 28-year-olds. A bunch of 28-year-olds. And then they tackled him. It was really weird. He was wearing a mask, and they tackled him. He was trying to... He was selling goggles, evidently. (laughs) Desperate to move these things. (laughs) In a lot of trouble. Can't can't tell my family, actually, about all the financial trouble I'm in if I don't sell these goggles. (laughs) I'm upset. Listen... Listen, I'm upside down on a significant goggle investment right now. It's I'm underwater on this thing. So uh, literally, underwater. My story is the big short with goggles. It's it's not a good one. It's not a happy ending. But if you're underwater with them, isn't that a good thing? That's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're they're not good. They're leaky. They're while you're down there. Could you do me a favor and kill some lionfish? <laughs> I wonder if this guy, the lionfish guy, I wonder if he's going to make robots that'll go into the Everglades and kill all those pythons because those are doing oh, the yeah. same thing, overtaking yeah. the ecosystem. I, there. I would like to see a robot that squeezed a python to death just so it knew what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like it? Not very cool, is it? Think about that next time you're trying to eat. <laughs> The Python's uh. like, you know, in all humility, this actually is very unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can I make an admission about my goggle purchase? Please. I thought I was making, I, this is a simple thing of reading too fast. <laughs> I had thought I was making an investment in Google. <laughs> I could not believe the deal I was getting. Half a million shares um, of Google. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, 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 this, oh was, this was the deal of a lifetime, and the goggle showed up, and I realized what had happened. It wasn't as old as that joke was telegraphed from a mile away and it was still worth every bit of the weight. So, uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, life gives you lemons, you know? And in that case, I suggest you wear goggles because they can burn you up. Which I have quite a bit that are for sale. Should you decide to make lemonade, I highly suggest goggles. Or, or you can just do what I do and throw them down the storm and gr- drain because they're gross produce. <laughs> 
You don't throw them out. You just throw them in the storm drain. You walk outside. I, I just kick them down the curb and they wash down there. <laughs> what he's hoping, what he's hoping is that that drain goes feeds out to the sea and maybe he'll kill an errant lionfish here. There. Usually, what I do is I get those six pack rings for like cans of coke yeah. and just drop them down there. Hope, hopefully, to catch some lionfish. Lionfish, yeah. You do then. You he's, know. D- he's doing his part for the environment. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, all sons and daughters join us in the studio. From Indian Lakes, uh, there's no uh, lionfish in the Indian Lakes. They have uh, I've taken it. care of that problem. The song, <laughs> the song is called "The Monster." The monster is actually the one that uh, took care of it. See, that proves that you don't prep. We were we were concerned <laughs> that you prepped with your little playoff, but oh, that no. was a callback from today. The duo of David Allen Leonard and Leslie Ann Jordan are known as All Sons and Daughters. Uh, They're worshipful blends of folk, instrumentation, Americana style, and hymn-inspired songwriting have uh, made them very popular. Their latest album, Poets and Saints, is accompanied by a book uh, that they describe as, quote, a unique blend of biography, travel memoir, and spiritual insight, taking readers from a pub in Oxford to a cathedral in the Italian hills and beyond. Uh, This week, they stopped by the Relevant Studio to perform a few new tracks from their album, which is available now everywhere, including it's streaming on The Drop at RelevantMagazine.com. Here is All Sons and Daughters. This song is called Rest in You. We wrote this from St. Augustine's book, Confessions, which was uh, basically a collection of uh, just journals, journals, entries, prayers, all kinds of stuff. Mm And uh, this line kind of stuck out to us when we were writing for the record. Uh, our The girl who usually plays cello with us, Kara, went on the trip with us. She ended up bringing, uh, she came in one day and she was like, have you guys started writing the Augustine song? And we, we hadn't. And she said she had been reading Confessions and this line had kind of stuck out to her of, uh, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And uh, it was just like, yes, instantly, we have to write this song. Um, and so that's what kind of stirred this thing up, and this is Rest in You.
was all sons and daughters the new album poets and saints is out now
listening to Petite Biscuit, which was actually my high school nickname. Uh, the song is Sunset Lover, which was my college nickname. So, <laughs> did a lot of growing up in college. Yes. Yeah, very formative years. Vanning uh, Leapshire is a pastor of Jesus Culture, the young adult worship ministry that started at Bethel church in Redding, California, and now has its own church, Jesus Culture Sacramento. Uh, the ministry has released 29 worship albums and hosts conferences and events around the world, attracting thousands of young adults uh, devoted to worship, encountering God, and impacting culture. He's also the author of the new book, Rooted, The Hidden Places Where God Develops You. Uh, this week, Banning came through the studio. Uh, he's actually staying with me. He and his son are staying at the house. And uh, we talked about a lot all, of things. All of his sons or just one son? <laughs> His 11-year-old son. That's good. Uh, uh, we talked about a lot of things, including what he's seeing God do in this generation today. Here is a part of our conversation. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's always good to be in the Relevant Podcast. There you go. Um, okay. So the new issue of Relevant is out, and there's a big picture of your face in it. <laughs> there is. Yeah, because we, we did an article on kind of the new Jesus movement that we're seeing happen in this generation, and we wanted to talk to you know, some of the leaders in that movement. So Judah and Carl Lentz and yourself and Christine Kane are all interviewed. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what you're seeing God doing in this generation today. I think that a lot of people, as you would know, we have a high value for authenticity. Mm-hmm. So we, we really just want people to be genuine and authentic and, and have their relationship with God reflect that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's less about, again, this all probably sounds cheesy and cliche, but it really is less about performance and just about Jesus. And I think we're, I think we're having to redefine success differently. And I think we're kind of figuring out what that is. So I think when it comes to, you know, a church or Jesus or my relationship, what, what really matters to God, what really matters to, uh, you know, heaven. And I think figuring that out for us right now matters a lot. And a ton of that has to do with authenticity. Have you seen a shift in, I mean, you've been ministering, I mean, Jesus Culture, you've been in ministry for almost 20 years. Yeah. And uh, have you, I mean, 21, what if, 21 years, 21 years, started when I was 19. Wow. Yeah, I know. Bizarre. So I've, you know, we've been doing this 16 years and we've seen a, a massive shift almost like, you know, 10 years ago is more like questioning and not that people, you know, don't have questions anymore as they kind of figure out why they believe what they believe. Yeah. But there was almost like um, uh, a moving away as there's a cynicism almost. If you were like a thinking Christian, you were almost jaded. Yeah. And, and now there seems to be like this, like this fervor, like building, we've seen this massive shift. Um, have you, have you like, what do you see in happening in your stream? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there, you know, it's interesting. Uh, sometimes, you know, as the, as a younger generation comes up, they absolutely want to challenge things. They want to question things. They want to say, even planning a church right now, it's been brilliant. I don't have anything to dismantle. We can challenge everything. Mm-hmm. As far as like, uh, what an example, communion, you know, like let's do communion. I'm like, well, maybe I like, I believe in communion, but what's that supposed to look like? And biblically, what are we talking about? And when should we do it? Well, it should be done on the first Sunday of every month. Well, maybe why? 
why should it be done on the first Sunday of every month? And right. to, to really be able to challenge. So I think there's a healthy kind of natural challenge because yeah. the church falls into, I don't know, we've always done it that way. I don't know if we've always done it that way or that's how we've always seen it. I think there's a normal healthy thing that sometimes I think, and I think we've seen in the past a little bit, we see error in the church and we overreact, which just leads us into more error. And mm. I think there's something where people are saying, hey, we want to be able to challenge stuff. We want to be able to look. We want to be able to say, what does the kingdom express through this generation look like? Mm. And I think you can stay true to the core values of scripture. You can tra- stay true theologically and yet still say, what does it look like expressed? It's a little bit like some of the guys that, you know, the Teslas for a lot of people would be like, I just don't get it. I, I talked to an older leader. He was awesome. He, as I was kind of explaining to him what we're trying to do in expressing Christianity in this generation mm-hmm. and how our core values would be the same, but we want to express it in, in a way that's a little bit different. He, we described that thing. He's like, when I drive a car, I want to hear the gasoline. I want to hear it. I like, I want to hear the car underneath me. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, can we go fast, but not hear anything? Mm-hmm. Can we? And I think that's a lot of it is, is that we're, we have the same goal. We're just saying, what does the kingdom expressed through our lives look like in this generation? And I think people are going after it and it's just getting very simplified. Church has become so complex there are so many programs, so many this, so many that. We there's there's a hundred million things going on, and I think is I just want simplified. A lot of the churches you're talking about, they're just simple. Mm-hmm. It's not about big or small. It's just simple. It's mm-hmm. not that complex. So one of the things that's happened in the last 15 years is kind of the the kind of passionate worship movement, right? Yeah. And you guys are obviously huge in that. I think it's interesting to watch your trajectory, Jesus Culture's tra- trajectory, um, because what you guys, how, how it happened just seemed very organic. Yeah. Like it was almost like YouTube videos it, it wasn't of a local like church. It was. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they have, you know, millions upon millions of views and the songs from your youth ministry start to go on the global stage. You mentioned in the article about that. What we really want to do is just have people encounter God and encounter Jesus. I just want people to encounter Jesus and fall madly in love with him. And, and I think if they can do that, then everything else kind of works itself out. But so this has always been our goal. So when you talk about YouTube, literally we were doing, we were doing worship for our conferences and we were really encountering God, encountering his presence and just kind of young people were going back to their homes changed. And it was showing up like parents would call us and say, my kid's different and they're different at home. And we said, something's going on. So we said, I wonder if we can capture this worship and put it on a CD. This was literally how we started what it. What year was that? This would have been in, so we started the conference in 1999, but around 2005, okay. we said 2006, we said, let's, it was 2005 that we recorded our first one. So we said, let's try it out. So we do this, everything out. we don't even, we don't do any post-production at all on it. We literally just, we put it together and put it out there. Next year, um, we say, let's do another album. And a guy comes to me on our staff and says, what do you think if we recorded a DVD with it? And I, guys, I'm not making this up. I'm like, well, how do we do that? He's like, I don't know. Let's get some cameras. So we asked around. We're like, does anybody have any cameras? Do you remember the GLs and the XLs? Yeah, yeah. So guys, God, I got a GL. I got an XL. I, one guy goes, I got this old PBS broadcasting camera. We're like, all right, bring them. And so this guy just organized. We, we borrowed a bunch of cameras. And we recorded, we we filmed the recording of We Cry Out. 
when we did require we we cry out, Kim comes back from uh, Sh- Charlotte and says, "Hey, uh, uh, John Mark Mill- John Mark McMillan was out there, and she said, "Hey, he's got this song called How He Loves. I'd like to sing it." I'm like, "Great, let's do it," because any song we were doing was just songs we were encountering the Lord. All of our songs were covers because the whole point of the album was. We just want people to encounter God. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so if we're re- if it's through a Phil Wickham song or a Daryl Evans song, it doesn't matter to us. Anyway, she comes back. She does that song. We do the DVD. We didn't even know about YouTube at this level. YouTube wasn't the juggernaut it was. It was right. kind of you shared home videos. Right. A guy calls me after we release uh, the DVD. He says, hey, did you know that somebody posted, which I think illegally, I don't think you're supposed to. Right. They, they uploaded the DVD <laughs> and they said, How He Loves Us had 250,000 plays. I was 250,000. I was blown away. I'm like, are you serious? And then it just took off. And it was raw and it wasn't even professionally done. And it was us just trying to encounter God. But somehow it just struck a chord with people where they would say, whenever I would watch that song, I would just cry. Some people said I watched it for a year straight every single day. And I would just cry every time I'd watch that. So for me, there's something about still to this day, my favorite testimonies. The, the, if, the best thing you could do for me is when people walk up to me and say, hey, every time I listen to your music, I don't know what it is, but I just encounter God yeah. when I listen to it. And I think that's all of our hearts is like, I just want you to encounter God. I, I don't need you to be impressed with the lights or the music, or I just want you to be impressed with Jesus. That's all I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And if it's my song or somebody else's song, I don't care. It's one reason why we can, it, it's one reason why that competition thing is starting to go away in churches. Because honestly, for me, I just want you to encounter Jesus. And if that's at that church over there, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's my only goal. Like my goal is not somehow to have a bigger ministry than your ministry. It's for you to love Jesus and you can do that through Hillsong. You can do that through so many different places. I think that's one of the things we were kind of like noticing and mentioned in that article. It's not an individual ministry that's, you know, kind of defining this movement. It's like there, there's a new thing and there's a synergy and a, almost like a linking of arms. Absolutely. That we're seeing across many of the streams of Christianity that previously would have kind of run independently. Yes. It's like, no, there's something bigger that God's doing right now. Yeah, and I think we're just realizing that your win's my win, and yeah. it's it's more about kingdom. Yeah. So I I, I mean the, I really mean this. Like there are the the churches and arts town of Sacramento as they grow as other churches grow. I'm like that's my win. Every time every time Hillsong puts out an album and and uh, it, it does amazing. I'm like that's my win. That that's my win. Because people are falling in love with Jesus through their worship. People are encountering God through their worship. People are being strengthened in their walk with God. That's a win for me. Yeah. <laughs> because we're building the kingdom, not just our ministry. I was with Carl Lentz a couple of weeks ago, and I was just asking him how the church is doing, Hillsong, New York. And, and uh, he By said... By the way, it's doing really well. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> he said, he said on a given Sunday, through all their campuses, a thousand people dedicate their life to Christ. Like come to Christ Incredible. and not like documented, they get them plugged in. Yeah. And I said, well, how big is the church then? I'm thinking, you know, a yeah. thousand people a week, that's 50 grand, you know, 50,000. And he's like, we're like 8,000, you know? And, and, uh, and, and he said, what, what I realized, you know, several years ago was our role in the city is to be that introduction, bring people to Christ yes. and get them planted maybe elsewhere. Yeah. And, and like, that's, I, I embrace that. And I like, I'm just trying to think of previous eras, like no pastor would want to be a feeder system for other churches, no. but there is something bigger happening. Yeah. I think that I found for me, when you really begin to think kingdom, you, you think differently. And so when you think I want, first of all, 
I don't just want to build a church. I want to pastor a city. So if I want to pastor a city, that means I got to get my eyes up and, and, and link arms with other people because I can't do that on my own. Right. I can build my own little world. I can't, I can't pastor and build a city without that. But the other thing is this. I think whenever you start thinking like a father or a mother, this is what I realized. When I was youth pastoring, so you know, in my, in my, in my 20s, in early 30s, when I was youth pastoring, I used to be so irritated when high schoolers that attended our church would go to another youth group. It used to drive me crazy. And I wouldn't tell them this, but I'm thinking like, come on, don't you know I'm trying to build something here? We're trying to grow this group. Why would you go somewhere else? I wouldn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. I'd be so irritated when they go somewhere else. You're a little competitive sometimes. Yeah, totally. What's in my top five strengths, right? (laughs) Well, I have a daughter now. I have a teenage daughter. And this is the honest truth. Uh, um, she'll go to our youth group, but but she goes to another youth group too. And, and and I just don't care. Like I don't care if my daughter comes to our youth group or not. It does not matter to me. I just want her to go somewhere yeah. where she's plugged into community, where she's growing in her relationship with the Lord, where she's contributing. That's all I care about. Like I don't. I could care less if my daughter comes to my church or somebody else's. I know it sounds crazy, but it's just the truth. Because all I care about is wherever you're thriving, mm-hmm. that's where I want you. So I think that's a lot of the things. It's like, hey, if you're thriving here, I want you here. If you're mm-hmm. thriving there, I want you there. All that matters to me as a father is that you're thriving. And I think that's been a big shift that's happening is we're, we're less defining success as, you know, who comes to our church but, and more by what God's doing in individual lives. You have a new book out called Rooted, um, and you base it on the story of David yeah. a lot. Talk to me about the book. Yeah, well, you know, as, as I mentioned, 21 years of ministry and then just my own personal walk with God, one of the things I realized was people get very hung up in the process. They don't realize that God uses a process in their life to develop them. It, part of it's because we don't live in an agricultural age anymore. With the digital revolution, you know, information age, uh, we, we don't understand process anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have an iPhone and I'm frustrated if it takes three seconds to load. So I will go spend $900 buy a new iPhone. And when somebody says, hey, what's that do differently? I'm like, it loads a second faster. So we've lost a little bit that, that God doesn't work like that. It's an, he, he compares our life to a tree, an agricultural age. And so whenever the Lord plants a seed in your life, a word, a vision, a dream, a mandate, a desire, whenever he plants a word, the next step is not fruit. The next step is roots. And he develops our life below the surface in hiding in something called a process. And so my heart was really just to come alongside people and encourage them in this. I just want to say, listen, give them some context. A lot of people are discouraged. They're a little disenfranchised or disillusioned because they just are confused because they just don't know the context of how God works. So this is the early, this is the early life of David. David was a preteen when Samuel came and gave him a word and anointing. It was almost two decades later that he actually stepped into it at 30. Hmm. And those 20 years... God used to develop the inner life of David and establish a root system so that he could bear fruit. And uh, we live in a society where people are so frustrated if God's not developing their vision, but God's not interested in developing your vision. He's interested in developing you. Right. Your vision's a natural outflow of a healthy you. So we just go after that. We redefine success. God's looking for trust. So the first half is about process. The second half is about the soils that God planted David in. The, the, it's such an important message, especially, you know, for this generation, because I feel like there's, um, you know, you know, maybe you're in college and you, 
get a vision or a passion. This is what God's called me to do. This is why I'm on the earth and I'm going to do it. I get emails just, I, I get emails weekly still from people who are like, I feel God's called me to the media. I love what you've done with relevant. Can you tell me how you did it? Yeah, like totally. they want the cheat sheet. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, are you, I mean, literally, you know, I, I feel like, uh, I mean, I, I know the moment God kind of spoke the vision of relevant yes. in me and it was 19. I was 19. I know that the exact date and I was like, okay, this is what I'm pursuing. Right. And I tried to do it on my own strength. I tried to figure it out my own way to do it. And I kept like banging my head against the wall. And then, um, it was, I think I was 20, I was 24 when I started the company. So it was five years later. And then it was three years after that, that we started the magazine. So it was eight years of like, like, like uh, being like pursuing this thing, then being humbled. And then, you know, and like knowing that, like I was, my tendency was I was going to try, okay, God, this is what you call me to do. I'm going to try and do this for you. Yeah. And, and I would lose where I would err is that I would lose, lose sight on the fact that he just wants my, me. Yeah. He doesn't want me to And he's to trying to develop you and he's establishing in you trust and he's establishing within you a faith and, and understanding who he is. He's working on you. That's the crazy part, right? You start pursuing a vision or a dream and then you realize, oh, the Lord's just developing my life for this. He was laying a foundation. This is what I want. I really think we have to applaud what God's what God applauds. And the problem is, is I feel like we are very much. So people call you and say, hey, can you help? Tell me what you did. They're looking for short term fruit. Right. Because I can't post roots on Instagram. Right. Nobody's impressed with roots. They're impressed with fruit. And so I want it now. But the problem is, is we, we don't ever allow God to lay a foundation in our life. Right. And so then we don't actually have the strength necessary to hold what he wants to release to us or to sustain it. You know, the sustain thing is is key too, because, you know, okay, so we want the shortcut to this, like some sort of destination where I'm doing this, you know, the vision God's given me is fulfilled, right? The sustaining is hard. I mean, I've, you know, you've been doing it 21 years now. I've been doing relevant 16 and, and I can tell you over those 16 years, the seasons where when I'm, when I feel like, you know, my spiritual life is is yes. alive and I'm growing. Oh, look at that. Like the business is doing okay. And then the, the eras where I'm dry spiritually, yep. inevitably I start to like grasp onto things and I like control and, and all of a sudden like there's struggle, you yes. know? And, it, and it's like this, you never like arrive. Yes. That's what I've learned. It's like this thing of God continually trying to refine you and refine you and humble you and, and, um, and, and grow in him. Because he wants you to finish well. I, I think that we have to start getting a vision, not for starting, but finishing. I, I realize that anybody can start something. That's just not the hard part. For me, anything that has to do with fitness, this is what I found. I'm super passionate about it. I'm excited. We're going to do this. I, I get the new thing and I start it. I just don't finish it. Hmm. And, and anybody can start a race. Anybody can start a marathon. That's not the hard part. Anybody can get excited and passionate about that. Do you have the ability and strength to finish well? And I think that that's why the Lord starts developing your life, because he doesn't just want you to start relevant. He wants you to finish the mission of this thing. Mm-hmm. And and we, we, we all need to start planning our lives and building our lives for, I want to finish well, not just start well. I want to finish well. And, I, and, and there's so much work involved, right? This is what I didn't realize was that, there's a vision, then there's finishing well, and in between that's a whole lot of work. Whole lot of work. Whole lot of stretching, whole lot of growth, whole lot of discomfort. We all we all love when the pastor, you know, preaches a sermon on trust and faith. We just don't ever like being put in a position where it's required from us. 
you know, we're like, I love that sermon. That's a great sermon. And then when you're in a position where faith is required, it's scary and it's stretching and it's uncomfortable and you really actually have to trust God in situations. Right. And, but all of that is necessary if you're going to finish. And this is my, this is the big thing I want to shout from the rooftops of this generation. Listen, do not just be passionate about starting something. Be passionate about finishing the race in your life. And that means you better, you have to build differently. That, that, that's true. I mean, one of the things that we, you know, as a generation struggle with is that everything's gotten, everything's pretty easy for us. Everything's been given to us pretty easily. And, and so when, you know, all of a sudden something is not going the way you think it should, it's easy to get discouraged, lose your faith, you know, and a lot of people like fall away from their their walk with the Lord in difficult seasons. Yeah. It's one reason why legitimately I wanted to write this book was because I think a lot of people are discouraged simply because they don't have context for what God's doing. Things are taking too long. They don't understand why it's hard. They don't understand why it's confusing. And if you can just get some context and some clarity around this, all of a sudden you realize like, oh, that's what he's doing. Okay. Okay. I can do that. I, I have better understanding of what God's doing. The, the, and, and the growth is below the surface. The most important growth in your life happens below the surface, which is messy and hidden and dark and not linear. That's, that was a big one for me. It's not linear. At all. I, 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 when, the minute I feel something from the Lord, I don't know why. I just have a picture attached to it and a timeline. Yeah. And then all of a sudden when that timeline's not working out right. or when the, it's not what I thought it was, you know, it, I, I'm linear. Right? I, it's A, B, C, D, E. Right. God's not. God's like A, G, yeah. F, A, V. And so it really requires trust. Lord, I trust you. Yeah. If this is yours, you know, it will happen in the right time. Yes. And if it's mine, I'll make it happen how I want. But, it, you know, like that's different. That's exactly it's right. a different thing. I'm, I'm the same way. Like if God sparks something or there's a dream or whatever. It's like, okay, I want, I want to do it tomorrow. Yes. But I've, I mean, time, I, it's made it hard to pray sometimes. Yes. Because I'm like, I, I really struggle with, am I praying for my will to be done? Or is my heart really surrendered to the Lord's will? It's really hard to pray. It's for me personally, it's hard to pray for things like I want to see that come to pass. Yeah. And so like, uh, that's something I struggle with. We've got to redefine success. I think for us, we were such a dreamer generation, which is beautiful. I love them. Like dream, think big. Well, how can you change the world? But the reality is, is we're not following a dream. We're following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we get so frustrated if the dream isn't happening yet, if this or that. And I just think, I don't know, uh, like... Like the dream is not what I'm in pursuit of. Right. The dream may never happen. That's okay. Jesus is what I'm, Jesus is who I'm following anyways. Right. And I I think that, that it's funny. I sit down with people. They are so having a hard time in their relationship with God because the dream isn't happening. Right. And I'm like, you've defined your relationship with God as a dream or a a destiny. I, we're both driven like this, but I remember in prayer one time looking, I remember in prayer just going, I was so frustrated. I just stopped and realized God doesn't owe me my destiny. Mm. Like God doesn't owe me my destiny. He doesn't owe me what I've seen. I didn't die on a cross for him. He died on a cross for me. So I just want to be faithful and obedient. Just tell me what you want me to do. I just want to be faithful and obedient to the assignment and the call that you gave me. Right not to a dream. And I'm a dreamer. I've got dreams. I've got big dreams. But at the end of the day, if those dreams never happened, 
Jesus is still with me and he's ultimately who I'm following, not right. a dream. And that's why there's a new Jesus movement happening right now. <laughs> the book is rooted. Um, Jesus culture is on tour all over the place. And you guys can check out that you guys are doing conferences. Yeah. Check out jesusculture.com. Yeah. And uh, for all the info, thanks for being here. That was Banning Leapster. Check out his new book, Rooted, The Hidden Places Where God Develops You. It's out now. When All Sons and Daughters came through the studio this year, and they've been through our studio a number of years, but when they came through this time, I learned something very important about them. Leslie is a big-time basketball fan. We bonded. I like him even more now. Here is another song from All Sons and Daughters. So this song is called You Are Love and Love Alone, and we wrote it um, after we came back from our trip to Europe, uh, and it's based on the life of St. Therese. She had this quote that says, To love how perfectly our hearts are made for this. And uh, we really loved that that sentiment, that idea that our hearts are created and designed for love. And, and uh, we looked in this old book that we have called Poems with Power to Strengthen the Soul. And we found this old hymn by Frederick William Fair called Thou Art Love and Love Alone. And so we just tweaked some of the lyrics and uh, wrote this song, You Are Love and Love Alone.
all sons and daughters make sure to check out their brand new album poets and saints it's out now Never going home. Well, it's time for your feedback. Uh, on last week's show, we talked about Mars a lot because I was down at the uh, the Mars mission habitat in Hawaii that weekend and uh, got to be there with the Habanauts who are doing a year long simulation about colonization of Mars. Um, and we got we got Science Mike on and we just got talking about uh, Mars. And we asked you for the question of the week last week: What item, what unique item, would you bring for your mission to Mars, and why? You guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted your replies there, and you hit us up on Twitter as well, at Relevant Podcast. Here's a few of our favorites. Cameron, before we dive in, uh, did you get to talk to the the Habanauts at all? Yeah, I did. I interviewed all of them. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I was going to suggest that in your interview, that throughout the interview, you make it very clear that you don't understand the fact that they weren't actually on Mars. <laughs> like, just keep referring to like, like how many spacemen, how many spacemen did you kill over the past year? How many times? How many times did you find your habitat besieged by the Martians? <laughs> just, just show a profound misunderstanding, not only of the the uh, the 
uh, mission that they've been on, but also of Mars itself. Yeah, I uh, I, I talked to them a lot about. I asked them a lot about their uh, their eye protection. Uh, yeah, in Mars, <laughs> offered them a great opportunity that if they need to transition back to the pressure here on Earth, uh, I know a guy. Well, I know a guy that's looking to move some goggles. <laughs> so did did we did we did we seal a deal down there? I need to know because. I've got some creditors literally calling me right now. And if I could tell them I got a shipment on the way to the red planet, it would really help me out here because I know they're not going to be able to track that. <laughs> yeah, it's sending up. I think their payment's on its way too. It's going to take like seven years though. You could stick it on a, the next SpaceX rocket, except it probably would explode on the... Uh, yeah, you're not going to... Yeah, that's, why, that's a good thing to tell the, my creditors. Listen, you're not going to believe this. Had it on this rocket with a Facebook satellite. <laughs> Oh boy! Thank thank God the people on the ground were wearing some of the goggles. <laughs> Their eyes were saved, but uh, the shipment gone. So yeah, I think the debt's forgiven, right? That's all that works. All right, some of your replies about uh, the items that you would take on your mission to Mars. Uh, Kylie Daniel, I think the reasons for this is obvious: a hard drive containing every episode of Mister Wizard. How else is he going to know what kind of experiments to do up there? That's true. That's true. You would run out of ideas if you didn't have the inspiration of Mr. Wizard. Yep. So test one done. Uh, the dirt's definitely red. <laughs> got it here. So uh, my God, I got this uh, hard drive because I don't know what else I'm doing up here, guys. <laughs> Perry Ross said uh, that they would take the full collection of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and the costumes of Tom, Tom Servo and Crow and fully get into the idea of watching bad movies on a spacecraft. I would. That's, and it, that's, I could see that, doing that because there's like a never-ending supply of bad movies. That would be yeah. fun. Yeah. But watching Mystery Science Theater 3000 on repeat, I think would get a little old because you know what uh, the jokes are. I, I, I disagree. Oh, really? Yeah. I think yeah. it just gets I, better. I continue to it's watch like Mystery Science wine. Theater repeat. Yeah. I've, I've, there are episodes I've seen dozens of times. And speaking of which, Andrew actually says that he would bring the classic film, also lampooned on Mystery Science Theater 3000, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. There you go. I guess yeah. that could be like a... To like, no one went the obvious route, which... I would, which should we run into some sort of hostile inhabitant of Mars, which right. we don't know that's not the case. I'd want something yeah. to barter with them. Right. Like, to, to, to let them know I'm friendly. Right. Uh, it is and, interest, an interesting commentary that most people are like bringing something to entertain themselves. Like they've just resolved the fact that they're they're just going to, you know, have a lot of downtime. Well, it's like why not try yeah. to do something... The, the Habanauts that I talked to, they I asked them about that, thinking if I'm stuck in a biodome for a year, boredom would be an issue. They said the opposite. Like from the moment they got up, because they have to prepare their own food, they have to, you know, prepare tomorrow's food. They have to so from the minute you get up, you're kind of working, whether it be on maintenance on the thing, you're doing research projects, whatever. And they said they they'd crash at the end of the night, like, you know, like there wasn't enough time in the day, which really surprised me. I would think like after six or nine months, you just kind of get in the get bored of the routine. But they said the opposite. They had a terabyte of like what they described as essentially every movie, TV show, uh, music, you know, ever made basically. And they they watched movies from time to time, but 
it was an international crew, and like the Germans like to go to bed early, or like to go to bed late, and Americans like to go mm. to bed early, and so like they just never they they were kind of a Jamie and Adam situation, like they weren't like buddies, <laughs> they were yeah. just like co-workers, like co-working twenty four hours a day, you know. Huh. So as as the mother of a garden and someone that harvests my own food, I can totally relate with how much work you have to put into making your own food. <laughs> Exhausted at the end of the day. What concerned me about the feedback we received is the shocking lack of eye protection that people would put the dangerous mission. It's something that people just don't account for. It is irresponsible. (laughs) I mean, you never know. I mean, you could be in the biodome. You think I don't need to wear my helmet and stuff, but in the dome, there's there's experiments going on left and right. You don't know. Yeah, there's beakers and there's uh, (laughs) baking soda, vinegar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I hope at least every nation up there is doing a baking soda vinegar. Volcano, volcano yeah. or else what do we even know? <laughs> we don't know how that foam is going to act in Mars gravity. It could fly all over the biodome. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I did mean, you ask them that, Cameron? You had the opportunity. I want to get right down to brass tacks here. Experiment number one, what we've all been wondering down here on Earth, <laughs> what happens with baking soda and volcano? <laughs> when, did, did you bring paper mache for the volcano or did you fly that up there yeah. with you? Yeah. Pre-made. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to join in last week's uh, feedback, there's uh, more at the website and on Twitter. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. I mean, I think the the question this week is obvious. Uh, What should Jesse do with all his goggles? (laughs) I mean, I'm going into the goggle business at this point, like it or not. I mean, it's got to make him some money. You yeah. can't just be giving these things away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we I've all know recruit. he's not. This can't be a total loss. Yeah, the best, <laughs> the best way. We want to know your ideas for the best way to Je- for Jesse to actually sell his his uh, um, his absolutely massive goggle supply. And you want to hear my slogan uh, that I'm going to use on my uh, inevitable television commercials? Oh, you're doing tele. I've never seen a television commercial for goggles before. It's kind of weird, right? I that's mean, that's right. why I think it's bound to work. My slogan is call me. I'm up to my eyes in goggles. <laughs> oh, so you're doing it like a late night, kind of local, like uh, car dealer furniture yeah, guy. Well, no, yeah, like a furniture store. Yeah. Like, this is, I'm going to come out wearing a tuxedo. Okay. Are you going to do an infomercial? Because like we have a thing here uh, on cable, uh, like local cable, uh, Appliance Direct. It's a little appliance oh, store. Oh, I remember, and I remember and they would do half-hour shows that they would play like <laughs> on loop on some of the low-tier uh, local cable networks. And it was fascinating. It was a way you would yeah. pass time from like 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. You'd Whoa. watch the Appliance Direct show. It was, if I may borrow a phrase from them, wacky noo-noo. That's right. They would say wacky Nunu. <laughs> well, I already have my infomercial plan too. I just want to back up to where Cameron said it's a great way to pass the time from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Yeah, that's, that's all you could find to do. Yeah, let me get this straight. They some of these washing machines are dented, and I will get a discount for that. <laughs> I think I understand. I think I finally get it. Yeah, uh, my infomercial is gonna be way more entertaining. It's gonna I'm gonna have a couple volunteers come on out from the live studio audience. And I will uh, poke people in the eye with things, with and without goggles, so you can see the benefit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one here is a stick. So just open wide. Let me just confirm with you, sir. You are not a paid actor. Is that correct? <laughs> that, that's you correct. You and I have never met before. That's correct. All right. I, okay, that's good. Now I've got this fishing pole. I'm going to stick in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Need you to hold real still. Did that hurt? Uh, <laughs> now put on my didn't goggles. Didn't feel too good, did it? But I bet you wish you had these goggles. That'd be five dollars. So I'm going to jab you again. <laughs> just it is with me threatening every threatened to poke people in the eyes. If they don't buy my goggles, that's how the infomercial ends. Well, if you want to join in and uh, or tell us uh, what what you think Jesse should do to sell his massive goggle supply that he got at goggle.com, right? That he's buying Google shares. Um, head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You can post yours in the comments there or hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Oh. I just love to think of Jesse buying 500,000 goggles <laughs> and thinking what a great deal he was getting on Google shares. Like, I, don't, I don't believe that. You guys do not believe that. As of this afternoon, I own 75% of the company Google. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it either, but uh, I mean, they've accepted my money. I'm just waiting for the stocks to transfer over, I guess. Why did I get a rude awakening when that U, those three UPS trucks showed up? <laughs> <laughs> Many thanks to our guests for coming through the studio. All Sons and Daughters, you can uh, check out their new album, Poets and Saints. It's out now. It's streaming on the drop at realmagic.com and other places. And thanks also to Banning Liebscher. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at The Banning, and his new book, Rooted, is out now. Thanks to our show sponsor, Blue Apron. Make sure to check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant and you won't have any produce left over. It's uh, perfect, perfectly proportioned. Um, hey, you, you know one of the things Justin and I was talking about the other day? We haven't mentioned uh, in probably eight years uh, going on iTunes and reviewing the show. If you like yeah. this podcast, it actually helps the show get seen by other people when uh, people are reviewing and stuff. And uh, there's a ton of reviews there, but um, if, if like there was a flurry of new reviews, uh, good, bad, or, or indifferent, um, it would uh, boost the visibility of the show and we would appreciate the feedback. And, and please, please don't let the uh, shoddy workmanship of the goggles Jesse sold you influence your review. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're reviewing only the audio show not his side business. That yeah, is. I mean, if, if you want to file something with the Amazon. Better Business Bureau, be my guest. <laughs> They're up to their eyeballs and nose. So. <laughs> you know what they could use? Nice set yeah. of goggles. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've literally received hundreds of complaints. <laughs> Uh, and get the magazine. If you go to relevantmagazine.com, you can subscribe now. The, the brand new issue, the September issue, is out now. It's on newsstands nationwide. If you have a uh, tablet, you can find it in the Google Play and iTunes app stores as well. We think you'll like it. It's a packed issue. Uh, we, and, uh, yeah, we love your support. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Joy Agertreed. I'm Adam Smith. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Protect yourself to face the steel A circuit's glare, a frozen stare Look into you with optic eyes Protect yourself, protect yourself Protect yourself, protect Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Your hands are tied, deprogrammed, then you become
you synthesize all metal bones, decibel drone, and rusty static, titanium, a seedless bone to take away a mental chip, a tug of war, your system shifts, and hits the floor. Call me. I'm up to my eyes in goggles. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.